Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network. This is Patrick Honeywell. Today, my special guest is Daniel Caminiti, an attorney by trade and a culinary artist. On today's podcast, Danielle discusses her transition from the courtroom to the kitchen, from litigation to salivation, and her Instagram page and website titled, Have You Covered in the Kitchen, where Danielle shares amazing, authentic Italian family recipes and creations. Through Have You Covered in the Kitchen, she helps her followers disarm the kitchen to create wonderful meals at home for family and friends. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the uh, podcast today. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. Hey, before we start, I, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at this amazing uh, Instagram post by you, and it's, it says something about the figging best chutney ever. I mean, <laughs> every time I look on Instagram and I look at your post, I, you've got some cool things happening. In fact, I just read about your wonderful pork chops and apple fig. So you're really, really active on, uh, on Instagram. I am. It is, it is a nice community of people that I've met over the pandemic on Instagram. So it's definitely one good thing that has come out of this uh, being in lockdown. Oh, man, man. So speaking about lockdown, let's talk about your uh, history a bit. From litigation to salivation, hashtag. Let's talk about your background a little bit and um, and go for there. Sure. Uh, well, I am a practicing attorney of over 20 years, and I had a very thriving per diem law business. I'm self-employed. Prior to lockdown, I was covering cases in all 62 counties in New York. So when I say covering cases, when lawyers and solo practitioners and law firms needed coverage for their matters that were pending all over New York State, they would contact me. And when they would contact me, I would contact my nexus of reliable and competent attorneys whom I've worked with for years would cover me in those counties. So I was in Queens, I live in Queens, New York, and I would cover Queens daily. But the other counties that needed coverage, I knew who was where. So I would farm out those appearances and covered my own and had a thriving, thriving business because courts usually required people to appear in person on their matters. So my business model depended on a volume of in-person appearances which you could imagine was cut <laughs> drastically by COVID. So March, 2020, we're on lockdown, courts are closed. I'm in my home thinking, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I went into survival mode, but I also went into distractibility mode and cathartic mode. And I looked at my kitchen and I said, how can I every day be empowered. And I started to cook and I started to cook more. Now I have a teenage son and he eats a lot. <laughs> so I did always enjoy cooking and I did cook in my free time on weekends and on holidays, but I never cooked as much as I did now. And as much as I did since March of 2020. So I started to like photograph my food and I would go outside on my terrace and get best daylight conditions. Now, this is all with my iPhone. I had no professional you know, tripod or, or camera. And my friends and family would say, hey, you, you take some really good shots and, and your cooking is awesome. And 
It is, I, just, I can tell. <laughs> thank you. And and I just kind of went into this mode where every day I would post and every day I would get feedback and I would learn from others and I would recipe develop and and that the rest is history. Gosh. So you you started have you covered in the kitchen, right? I mean I did. That name so is a play as a play on on your law firm name, right? Yes. So I was Have You Covered LLC mm-hmm. for my law business. And then I said, okay, well, I'm not in the courtroom anymore, but I am in the kitchen. So I kind of springboarded it into Have You Covered in, in the Kitchen. That's so awesome. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great name, by the way. So, and it, thank it, you. It really speaks to what you are doing and helping people. Like, so. What was your goal when you started this? Have you covered in the kitchen? I mean, who who was your audience? So initially, my goal was just survival and and self sufficiency in the home because we couldn't really go out, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was closed, and I was just making healthy meals for my family. And then a couple of friends would contact me and say, you know, maybe you should do some Zoom classes. You know, you can kind of impart your knowledge onto others. And I said that's a great idea. And I started to do some Zoom. And a lot of my friends who are also professionals had no time to cook. So this was a time that they were home and now they had to be self-sufficient. And I kind of wanted to help everybody disarm the kitchen. Because a lot of people have fears about cooking well. They think, oh, I can't make it that that well. I, I have to I have to order out. I have to go out. And no, that's not true. Cooking is so can be so simple with simple pantry ingredients that you have already at home. And that's kind of what my goal was initially. And it's still my goal. I still love to teach people how to cook. That's so awesome. So you started a website too. It's got to be challenging because it's a really nice website. And you're very active on Instagram, as I mentioned. They're both, it takes a lot of maintenance and uh, time. What was the challenge of starting your website? So that's a great question. I was very into, well, let me give people the most information possible. And I couldn't just do it on Instagram because a lot of people don't have Instagram. There's a lot of old timers that are just on Facebook or don't have any social media. So I contacted a cousin of a cousin, you know, and we Italians like to keep it in the family. Yeah, come on. (laughs) He's a graphic designer and he's awesome. And he helped me launch the website. And my dad, who's a designer, he actually designed my logo and I trademarked my logo. So my logo is, and for all you people that know the scales of justice, Mm -hmm. but on the left side and the right side, instead of it just being a scale, it's a kitchen scale. And the left side is a school of pasta or a colander, as you say in Italian. (laughs) And the right side is a frying pan. I think it's left, right? Yeah. Frying pan. So it is, it's a little spinoff of my brand. Mm -hmm. And so the website basically has a bunch of my recipes, my history, my philosophy, and a little bit about me. And I also have a Facebook page. I started to do some YouTube, which was really fun, but also challenging. So as a single parent, I don't have a lot of manpower. I don't have photographers, videographers. It's just me. (laughs) So uh, that's really the biggest challenge. And wait a minute, you do that all, uh, Daniel, on your iPhone? Even your video? 
Oh my gosh. So yes. So it's, it's, I've become such a, like a critic of, I'm like, Oh, that was two iPhones ago. (laughs) That picture was two iPhones ago. So yes, I do it all on my iPhone and Mm. a tripod sometimes and in, in my kitchen, Mm. which it's, it's no elaborate kitchen. If, if, you know, for, for New Yorkers, a lot of us just have apartments. We don't have a, a vast uh, yard or outdoor space. So I always say, if you could, if I can make <laughs> it there, I can make it anywhere. <laughs> well, but you've got a really good sense of, of the visual, you know, when, when like you're, I think I just saw you making something. I'm looking down and it has you stirring and it's so beautiful, the colors and the rich, and you're doing that all on your iPhone, but the distance you use between the food and, and what you're looking at makes me feel like I'm in the kitchen. How do you do that? It's so unplanned. I guess I just, food to me is life. So I just, I really immerse myself in the cooking experience. You know, I'll put some, some music on, I'll drink a glass of wine, I'll talk with friends and it's multi-sensory. So, and so that's why it's so great for kids also to learn how to cook because it's just the whole experience of cooking and sharing that with friends and family it's not only taking control of your diet, right? It's not only taking control of your portion size and all the ingredients that go in, but it's the whole entire experience and creating memories Mm -hmm. uh, for yourself and for others. So that's why it's such a beautiful thing. So it's not planned. It's always spontaneous. And I just, I do what I can do every day. What could you do? Your audience, do they ever like, they they see what you're doing? Do they request certain types of items? Say, hey, you know, are you making this? Which kind of helps steer you towards uh, the next thing that you show? Or how does that? uh... Well, they do. They do. And they have varied tastes. So my audience is people from all over the globe, which I'm so thankful for, because I never thought that people in India would like my cooking or, or people in Tokyo would like my cooking. And we learn from each other on Instagram. It's such a great community of, of people and of chefs and of just of, of positive, uh, motivational people. So they do make requests. I do have my favorites, one of which is pizza. And I know we're, we're going to talk a little bit about pizza today, but that's yes. So setting aside pizza, they do have requests. I do try to honor their requests And, but I always try to kind of put a little bit of an Italian spin on things, which is, that's what I know. (laughs) Yeah. You're Italian. You're not like a hundred percent, right? So, but not just Italian food. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. So I'm not just Italian food though. I know, Uh, even though you, you, you're so strong at Italian, but what are some other favorite styles of food, Danielle, that you, that you enjoy? So I love spice. And so spice lends itself to so many different types of cuisines. I love Mexican food, Japanese food, Indian food, Greek food. I even just love traditional American food. I I just think that there are so many types of foods that the tastes are so varied and I ha- I'm really not picky. I'm really not picky at all. I think I can count on one hand, the things I don't like, but for the most part, I eat everything. And I credit that to uh, my parents. They created this monster. Nah, so cool. So, okay. So, so at home, I mean, you, you mentioned you have your son there. Um, what's your favorite to make? And does he ever look at you and say, mom, come on, we just had that last night or last week or. Oh, uh- of course. 
of course, he is the biggest critic in a good way. But and and he's become so food spoiled, it's unbelievable because. God forbid I should give him the same thing twice for lunch for a school lunch, right? Oh wait, I, I just had I just had sausage peppers yesterday, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, let, stop. Let me stop you there. So I can't imagine your son at lunch. Somebody opens up the box. You got the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Somebody has bologna, maybe tuna, and he's got this extravagant uh, Italian meal that he he's got to open up a warming box, you know, to 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 get it ready to go. Exactly, exactly. I think Sebastian Maniscalco had a great skit on that about the uh, about the school lunch is being warmed up in in the teacher's lounge. Yes. So he has phenomenal lunches and we often talk about those at back to school nights. The teachers have uh, lunch envy when they see my son's lunches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he is a great critic because, and I, and I love that because he's, I've trained him well. He's developed his tastes. He is a very sophisticated palate, which is kind of how I grew up. I w- I learned to try everything and sample everything. Living in a one fan a two family house with my grandparents upstairs, my maternal grandparents, I learned to have two dinners, two lunches, and always broadened my horizons in terms of food. There were there were no chicken nuggets and fries, or like hot dogs and fries at my house. It was Mm -hmm. always authentic Mm. Italian cooking, seafood, mussels, you name it. We had it. And if I didn't like it right away and my initial reaction was visceral, I was either threatened or there were Jedi mind tricks or reverse (laughs) psychology or something was done for me to try this dish. Gosh, that's so that's really helped you in developing uh, everything you do now. It has. It definitely has. And he does have favorites, my son. He does. Oh, he does. Favorites. Okay. He does. Tell me, what, what are a couple? So like me, his his name is Luca. So uh, we've nicknamed him Luca Lobster because he loves lobster. Uh, expensive taste there. Exactly. Come exactly. on. <laughs> I know. But he, he also loves pizza. So that helps oh, balance things out. That's awesome. Well, before we, I want to talk about pizza, but before we do, um, when you go out to eat, like if you pick up an Italian restaurant. Do you find yourself not going out to eat Italian as much because you're so strong at it yourself? Like sometimes I, in my background, there's certain things I like to cook and I've kind of, I think I've gotten up pretty good at it or, or okay at it. So I may not necessarily go to the restaurants because I might think, oh, you know, this isn't, I would do this, you know, and it maybe change it a little bit. Do you have that experience in Italian food when you go out? Sort of, but Italian food is so varied and provincial that there's always a restaurant that's going to be able to cook, whether it's Bares or it's Sicilian or it's Northern Italian, that they will have that that uh, fingerprint on it. So a lot of times I do go out to eat Italian because there's so many good Italian restaurants in New York City. But that being said, my favorite thing to go out for is seafood and steaks. Seafood like raw clams, raw oysters, crabs. I love to just get messy with it and crack the crabs on a table, casual dining and, you know, not first date meals, but, but great nevertheless. And of course, you know, steakhouses, Peter Luger's is so many uncle Jack's right here where I live in Bayside. So, so many good spots. Very cool. Well, let me know, let's, let's turn over towards the topic of pizza. One of my favorite topics. And I think yours too, cause I've seen Mine some amazing too. Yeah. So break it down for me from your perspective. Uh, and I'm talking about making something at home because your audience, you have a lot of uh, home cooks that would like to, would love to attack a pizza. Talk a little bit about dough. Like when you prepare, when you get ready to make a pizza, how do you approach, let's say I'm going to make a pizza. Talk about the dough. 
Sure. So I was making pizza. My Nana was making pizza before it was trendy. I mean, my Nana passed away in, in 2001. So she was making pizza way, way before anybody made pizza now, like nowadays, not before it became gourmet. So pizza, I love to kind of up my pizza game. I learned from a lot of, a lot of online chefs like Tony Gemignani, like people that, uh, work with Melina Caputo dough. I love Melina Caputo dough. I love Tony Gemignani's dough, mm-hmm. um, flour, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I've been learning as I go. I, my dough recipe is a 72 hour proofing recipe. Uh, nice. I've learned that uh, patience is a virtue in the pizza world. And yes, you can make a great dough in 24 hours. Yes, you can do it. Um, I've learned that waiting uh, is, is always a, a good thing in life and, and with pizza and you can do it at home and you don't need an elaborate pizza oven. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars on a a brick oven to be outside. Mm. I don't have a bunch of outdoor space where I live. I have a terrace and because of condo rules, I won't be able to bring a pizza oven out there. So I do a lot of it on a, a baking steel in my conventional oven, which nobody can believe sometimes it's all about the prep. It's all about the dough. It's all about waiting and just taking your time with it and and learning. Not every pizza is perfect. A lot of the times you make mistakes, but they're beautiful mistakes because sometimes as long as it tastes good, it might not aesthetically look good, but it tastes great. So that's my experience with pizza. Uh, It's really just using quality ingredients, not skimping on that to make a great, to make a great product. Now, how about the sauce? Do you like if do you typically use a red sauce or you do a, something white if it's a seafood or what's what's your go-to thoughts on the sauce? I do both. I love a, a great just a simple pl- plain margarita with a lot of fresh basil. I love fresh basil. I'm an herb snob. I'm a self-admitted herb snob. <laughs> I love fresh herbs. So a lot of basil uh or I I do various pizzas. I do crazy pizzas too. Like for Halloween, I'll do like a worm pizza with squid ink spaghetti Mm. on it. Um, like making look like eyeballs. Um, I do seafood pizza. I, I violate the, uh, the pizza cheese, the, uh, cheese seafood rule. Uh, and I do make like a clam pizza. I make seafood pizza or I've put recently, I've done a a Greek pizza, like a, a lemon potatoes pizza. So there's so many possibilities with it. That's the beauty of it is that it's so varied. Uh, I've experimented with gluten-free dough as well, which is really good. Uh, the uh, Molino Caputo makes a zero-zero uh, fewer glute dough, and it's awesome. Really tastes phenomenal. So I really want to just broaden my pizza horizons. I've done Detroit, Sicilians, Grandma's. Neapolitan's my favorite, but I love all kinds. If somebody all comes kinds. over to eat or you make a, hey, I make a pizza. Do you ever, um, you don't say it like that probably. I'm making a pizza, but I'm making a pizza. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say it like that. So, uh, do they request a certain type? You just say, you know, they're coming over tonight. I'm going to make, you know, a Detroit or a grandma or something, or how do you decide what to, to make? It depends. Some of my friends have food intolerances. So that's why I really wanted to experiment with the gluten-free flour and some are vegetarian. So I'll just do a straight up margarita mm-hmm. and some are carnivores. So they're like, bring on the hot fennel sausage, take it out of the casing, crumble it up a little bit. And, and it's so flavorful. 
So it really depends on, on who's on the audience. are writing a cookbook that's coming out. So we're going to break that down. But first, I'd say you're getting ready to introduce your cookbook to the world. And you have like a, uh, instead of a signing, you have a, a special dinner with people that helped you, you know, with ideas for recipes. You're the editor. We'll talk about that. What would you make for that special kickoff dinner at home for maybe six to eight people? Okay, so it would really depend on who was coming. And if there were any dietary restrictions, I'd like to find that out in advance. Because I don't, I never like to have somebody feel unwelcome. You know, it's an Italian thing. We, we mm -hmm. need to have everybody satisfied and, and leaving with leftovers. So I'll always want to make sure I have enough. And so sauce is going to definitely be involved. Probably a, a linguine with crabs. That's my signature Christmas Eve first dish, mm. uh, a little spicy and just the way that it was made for me growing up with, by my grandparents. So I would do that. I would probably do some type of, I don't know, maybe I could do a chicken, but a chicken, mm, I might do a pork tenderloin possibly. Uh, I like uh, Brussels sprouts with pancetta, maybe as a side. I love a nice salad, love a good salad. So maybe like a, uh, like a tricolor salad. I might also do potatoes in the oven, potatoes and onions, maybe mm -hmm. some peppers. Nice. I don't know. I, I would have to, I would have to kind of think about what season it is because we might be grilling outside. We might be doing something more fish. Uh, so I, I would really depend on, I would kind of get a sense of what everybody wanted, but the wine would be flowing and you can guarantee the bread would be flowing. <laughs> <laughs> wine and bread. That's there's nothing. Of uh, course. That's life. <laughs> that's life. I agree. Okay. I just mentioned a book. There's a cookbook coming out. I was going to ask you what is happening for you in the future besides continuing to develop your amazing website, your Facebook, your Instagram, et cetera. Let's talk about the cookbook, everything that had sure. to, title chosen, theme, dedications, things like that. So the cookbook, thank you for asking about it. It's, I've just come up with a title and it's called From Courtroom to Cucina. So that is really what I have done recently. I've gone from the courtroom to the cucina and it's 70 recipes, not necessarily Italian, a lot of Italian recipes, but there are some other ethnic foods in there. And I, without giving away the plot, I will say that there's some Chinese recipes, there's some Indian recipes, and I just, the cookbook was an undertaking. It really was. I signed with a publisher. I have my cousin who's a graphic designer, and what's really hard about it is that it's not, wasn't the photography, it wasn't the recipe development. Those are the easy parts. It's actually the editing. The mm. editing has become so I guess, tedious. And so I'm a one person show. So it's hard to do everything yourself. And sometimes you need another set of eyes on things to say, you know, I don't know if I would include this, or maybe I would, I would take away this part of it. And this, you spent too long on describing this recipe. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenging part of it, but I'm so excited about it. And it really has memorialized my experience during lockdown, which is to Stay empowered in your own home and disarm the kitchen and get over your fears and do something productive and not dwell on what you can't 
control, but control what you can control. Well said. So I'm really looking forward to that coming up, coming out really soon. And uh, I hope that I hope that uh, there are, I will inspire a lot of home cooks because that's really my goal is to kind of get people to look at my recipes and say, you know, she's not a professional chef. She didn't do this for a living. She wasn't trained in this. And look, she did it and she made it look so simple so I can do it. Again, disarming the kitchen. Well, maybe make it simple, but everything looks so professional and beautiful. And oh my gosh. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So the book's coming out. Anything else uh, in, in the horizons for you, Danielle, that you see coming up? Did you like to talk about? I don't know. I mean, I do, I do some special, in addition to being a lawyer, I'm, I do some special ed advocacy work for, mm -hmm. I represent parents of special needs children when they need to secure services for them uh, against the Board of Ed. So I go to school tours, I help them navigate a very complex system. And the food to me is always tied to learning, learning by children, learning to become productive, self-sufficient. There's also, it's also in my head, it's, it's all coming to fruition, but in my head, it's also tied to obesity and that obesity in our country is at an all-time high. I think we're like 12th in globally for uh, obesity. Mm. So I think it's really it's really helpful and gives us more control of our of our portion sizes. It helps us make healthy choices when we learn how to cook and we learn a skill like cooking. Mm -hmm. So I would love to develop that, springboarding that into whether it be like a family and consumer sciences class or like a home ec cooking with special needs children who then age out of the special needs population and they have no training after 21, maybe getting them employed doing something in the food service industry. I think we, I think that needs to be seen more because just helping people get on their feet and do something productive in society. Wow, that's so, so great. Thank you. My sister was uh, a special ed teacher. This means a lot to, uh, to me, you know, that you're working on this. So when people reach out to you or if they want to uh, follow you and talk about that or talk about food, how do they, how do they find you? Sure. Well, they could direct message me on Instagram if they're on Instagram, or they can find me on my website, which is haveyoucoveredinthekitchen.com. So you, like the letter U, haveyoucoveredinthekitchen.com. They can find me via email, which is info at haveyoucoveredinthekitchen.com. Mm -hmm. They could see me on YouTube if they'd like. I need to develop that more too. When I have the time, I will. And also I am on Facebook. Have You Covered in the Kitchen is my web page on Facebook. So numerous ways. Well, I was uh, just to throw in there, I would say maybe you should do a, a class on how to use an iPhone to perfection with video and, and, and uh, photos because your iPhone work is amazing. <laughs> that, <laughs> thank you. Apple would love that, right? Yeah, they would. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast, uh, Daniel. It's really great to have you here today. Thank you so much, Patrick. I appreciate your interest and your support. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about what Believe is doing. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at Believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.